This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's show is recorded live in Canberra at the Canberra Simeon Network Annual Dinner. The Simeon Network is a national network of Christians in academia. Today's big question, what is truth? We're asking this question today to Dr. Ryan Young. Ryan is the director of the National Security College Futures Hub, and he has worked across multiple departments in the Australian Public Service, and also has a PhD in philosophy and logic, and he joins me now. Please welcome Dr. Ryan Young. Thank you. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank um, you. Now, you work with the National Security College. That's that, correct. So what does that mean? Does that mean that if you told me you'd have to kill me? Or uh, not, just not about, not quite. So despite common perceptions or at least what I'm rumoured, we're not a spy school and okay. I'm not a spy. Right. But we are a... Well, that's what you say. That's what I say, <laughs> yes. Um, but we we're are talking about truth tonight, yeah. Uh, we're an organisation that works with, I guess government agencies and academics and tries and bridges the gap in different ways, both the training and thinking and tries to connect them up to, I guess, talk to each other, access more information and open people's minds to information that they wouldn't otherwise get to because government agencies, particularly national security focused ones, tend to live in buildings without windows and don't get to talk to a lot of people. So we're there to be <laughs> some of the You're people there to try that to can open talk. the windows, so exactly. to speak. Right, yeah, okay. Now, to kick off bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today, we're asking Dr. Ryan Young about the truth. So, Ryan, our smaller questions to you today are about lying. Okay, well, there's two questions, both multiple choice. Okay. Question one, the world's biggest liar competition is an annual competition held in Cumbria in England where competitors have five minutes to tell the biggest and most convincing lie they can. Now, which groups of people are barred from entering? Okay, was it A, people from the Greek island of Crete? Is it B, politicians? C, those in the legal profession? Or D, those with PhDs in lying? Apologise, it'd have to be the lawyers, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps I wasn't entirely truthful with this question because the answer was actually both B and C, <laughs> politicians and those in the legal profession, are barred because the rules deem them too well-versed <laughs> to apply. <laughs> so with a PhD in line, do you think that you might be a chance? Um, I think I could give it a crack. You could yes. give it a crack, something that you might want to have a go at? Yeah, potentially. Potentially, okay, right. Well, you're doing well so far. So question two, a popular BBC comedy show, Would I Lie to You, requires two teams to guess if a particular story told was true or a lie. So which of these four stories told on the show was a lie? Three of them are true. Which one was a lie? Was it A, English comedian and actress Sarah Pascoe who once booked a holiday to Costa Rica thinking that it was in Spain? Was it B, South African comedian Trevor Noah, who used to prank call people impersonating Nelson Mandela? Was it C, British actor Bob Mortimer, who used to enjoy relaxing with an egg in his bath? Or was it D, until his mid-30s, British meteorologist and weatherman Thomas Schaffermacher had no idea that lambs were baby sheep? So three of those were true. Which of those was the lie? I'll go the egg in the bath. Well, that's a good one to go with because that was the correct answer. So, Ryan, you can handle the truth. <laughs> you got two about two smaller questions, right? Big round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, your PhD research was in lying. 
and in particular something known as the, the liar paradox. Yep. So can you tell us a bit about your research? What exactly was or what exactly is the liar paradox? So the liar paradox is an old paradox. It's been around since the ancient Greeks and it's very simple. It goes along the lines of I am now lying to you. So that sentence I said, is that true or is it false? Because if it's true, then it's true that I'm lying, so it can't be true. But if it's not true, then I did lie, so it was true. So there's lots of different exa examples of this type of sentence. It's called a liar sentence. Is about and opens up all sorts of interesting questions around truth, how that works. The really interesting thing is that ancient Greeks knew about it. Um, apparently it was one of the things that the sophists used back in ancient Greek. But today there's no consensus on what the solution is, why it's actually not a problem. Yeah. But if it isn't, it, we can't solve it, um, it's actually kind of catastrophic. Right. So you said it was catastrophic if we can't solve it. Yes. So why is that particularly catastrophic? Is it because it, uh, it challenges the very notion of truth? Challenges the very notion of truth. From it, if we can't deal with it, we can prove absolutely anything at all as true in a kind of logical argument, which means effectively if every sentence you can utter is true, it's kind of language communication falls over. We can't actually communicate every, anything if we can't say anything's true or false because everything's true, everything's false. Yeah. So did your brain kind of explode when you were doing your research into this? Um, sometimes on a daily basis. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but no, it's a, I mean, yes, but plenty of people. There's lots of books written about it, yeah. lots of challenges around it. And it's it's really interesting way of digging into assumptions about how we reason, how language works, how truth works, how all those connections of different things yeah. play off each other. Yeah. What's really interesting about it is... If you take it literally, it's catastrophic, but no one actually really worries about it. <laughs> sure. Well, that's an interesting... Why don't people worry about it, though? Aren't we logical people? That may be going a bit far. Um, <laughs> but I, th I think it's, it's that interesting question that it's a kind of strictly logical, but we can see in the way we act, the way we argue, the way we reason, the way we talk, that the conclusion doesn't actually hold. We can ex say things are true, things aren't true. It doesn't hold, but... So really it's, we can see the conclusion isn't valid, mm. but it's hard to explain why it isn't valid. Right. But isn't the liar paradox just simply like a linguistic error? Um, interestingly, uh, well, the fact that people don't feel like we've solved it in over 2,000 years suggests not. What's really interesting about it is sentences like, a classic case is something like, this sentence is false is the type of sentence that if it's true, then it's false, if it's not. But it doesn't have to be artificial sentences like this. So there's an example that I used in a PhD. So imagine we have a courtroom and have, say, a policeman gets up on the stand to, you know, testify and he says about the uh, defendant, um, have to warn you, the defendant is a compulsive liar, everything he says will be false. It seems quite a reasonable, you know, statement that he would make. Um, however, if the defendant happens to have studied a little bit of philosophy or logic and gets up <laughs> and the only thing he says on the stand is what the policeman said was true. So if the policeman said it was true, then he lied. So the policeman wasn't true. So you get into that exactly the same thing. So perfectly good 
sentences that work in most cases there's odd circumstances where they turn out to be paradoxical yeah so and it's not just a language linguistic issue because i suppose it deals with the fundamental nature of well truth and language doesn't it yeah exactly and how they interact what the relationship yeah with. yeah so why did you spend three or four years of your life wrestling with this problem it's really interesting it's a really interesting way of for me, anyway. I mean, philosophers like this are a special breed, I have to admit. But it's an interesting way of tackling with some of those big issues. What is truth? How does truth work? How does language work? And really interesting for me because truth is a really contested topic mm -hmm. um, in culture, in language, and trying to kind of nail it down on one simple example, simple definitional thing was a way of trying to, I guess, really explore and understand mm. some of those issues. So when you say the truth is contested, what, yeah. do you, what do you mean by that? So one is contested in debates whether we can actually say anything is truth, whether there's any definitive statements, what's true, how it works, is it just relative, is what anyone, people feel is truth. There's a whole lot of academic and popular culture debates around this. And so for me, part of the motivation um, aside from it's a really interesting puzzle to try and solve, was trying to tackle a definition of a concept and see whether technically in a kind of precise technical sense can shine any light on the broader issues and the broader understanding of how it works. Right. So this is connected to things like alternative facts yes. and the fake news, etc. So this is yes. kind of one of the practical ways in which this... Yeah, exactly. Um, Ironically, I turned out to be an expert in what became topical years after I finished my PhD. Right. <laughs> so you're an expert in alternative facts. Uh, well, <laughs> well, yeah, lying as we talk yeah, right, about yeah. anyway. Well, are not you? Not so much. <laughs> okay, so I'm not, not sure. Not sure I should believe you. This <laughs> is very difficult. So then, what did what did you then discover? So what was your, the, the the fruit of your research and your work? So what I found, or at least what I argued, was that the way language interacts with the world is not that simple kind of binary way. It's more, there's assumptions that go into it. There's, it's a bit more of a, we make a statement and then we have to make a judgment about whether it actually applies. It's a bit more like painting a picture rather than a precise photograph, mm. uh, which. So does that mean that language and truth is therefore just a little bit more complicated? To put it mildly, yes. <laughs> okay, right, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so broadly it's, it's that sense that but what's really interesting is that idea of that kind of simple mapping between language and truth is goes with an idea of truth is facts. Truth is facts, language is facts. It's that kind of simple description of language, the world, not, nice, neat mapping. And that underlies a lot of the way people think, particularly a scientific thinking. You know, everything's either true or it's false and science will give us the facts about that. Mm. It underlies the way some people interpret things theologically as well. It's either yeah. true or it's false and it's simply true or it's false. But is truth therefore though, is it real? Like can it be found? So two different questions there. <laughs> um, but Sorry, yes. <laughs> so can it be found? At a trivial level, there's a definite yes, we can find out whether it's true. You know, I can try and walk through a table and I will find out whether that it is true that the table's there or not. So mm -hmm. there's a really trivial, visceral sense that we have to say, yes, there is truth, there is. And truth in here, the sense is, do my ideas or sentences or beliefs line up with what is real? And if they do, then it's true as somewhat of a definition. There's a bigger question of, 
is what is real something bigger, deeper, vaster than kind of what we see day to day in front of us? And I think the thing you have to say is, yes, we can find out what is true. Mm -hmm. in, in a sense, it's an assumption built into how we live. If we can't find out what is true, we can't express things that are true, how can we even communicate with language? Language assumes that we can say things that are true. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's immediately obvious. You know, the history of science, to take one example, is full of people trying things, thinking they've solved it. We understand everything. Uh, a little while later, someone comes in and goes, no, you missed this, you got it wrong. And we keep doing it and we keep doing it and keep doing it. So just because truth is possible, doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean that we will ever be able to ourselves fully get the truth full stop end of story that's all we need to know so there's a sense which what we can't ever fully grasp the truth yes yeah is that is that a satisfying position for you to think uh i mean it's probably not satisfying to my ego but <laughs> in, in terms of you can't, realistic, know you can't know everything i can't like, know everything i mean realistic realistically it's not possible you know um even if you think the amount of information that's in a library, you can't know everything. If we think in terms of pure science, the amount of what is true out there to describe even everything we would say we know scientifically about what's going on in this room is, you know, there's trillions of different particles and things like that. As a finite being, a finite creature who's alive for a certain time, certain mental capacity, I can't know everything even on kind of well-known physical laws, you know, can't know everything about. It's hard enough to know everything about, you know, your friends. Mm. So as a matter of reality, we can't know everything. We can't know everything that's true. And as people often say, we're only human. I mean, that's, that's really a really interesting statement with strong, I guess, biblical backing and biblical starting off that humility that we're finite, we're creatures that make mistakes, we get things wrong, we mess up. So not only can we not know everything, but we will probably think we know things and we're wrong, we right. get them wrong. So you mentioned just that the Bible that's connected to a biblical concept yep. of humility, which is found in the Bible. So for example, yep. Psalm 131.1, the psalmist writes, I don't concern myself with things that are too wonderful for me. So it is part of the, the biblical worldview yep. to accept that we can't know everything. But does that mean that we therefore should be content with ignorance? Uh, absolutely not. So there's a massive difference we can't know everything and that doesn't mean we can't know anything. So I think what's really interesting about the way the Bible talks about it and the book of Proverbs talking about wisdom, um, the fear of the Lord, understanding kind of God's God, I'm not, I'm finite, I'm small, is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. So accepting that we're not going to know, we're going to make mistakes is actually I think one of the first steps to actually really understanding, really getting knowledge, really getting truth. I mean, it's the same in science. You have to be willing to test something, do an experiment and find out that you're wrong. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not ever going to get knowledge. And it's the same in life. Mm. You know, you have to be willing to test, think you know, act on it and figure out that, no, actually I got it wrong, I need to... Mm rethink about it so did you say in love then or in life so, so i said in life but it holds for love as well. <laughs> I suppose it would. yes that's right yeah today's big question is what is truth and this is the very question that roman governor pontius pilate asks jesus in the new testament and in john 18 38 where jesus is being interrogated and tried 
Pilate asks this question because Jesus has answered another of Pilate's questions about whether he was a king. Jesus said, you say that I'm a king. In fact, that's the reason I was born. I was born and came into the world to be a witness to the truth. Everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. So what was Jesus then saying about the truth? So interesting thing about when we're talking with language. So truth is about whether a language, a sentence or a belief or a thought lines up with what is real. Mm -hmm. There's also another related sense of truth where you talk about, so is someone a true friend? Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean that we'd say that means a real friend? But in a sense, that's more saying that what they are is they actually live up to the fullest, most ideal definition of what a friend is. So it's lining up what is interesting about that sense of truth. It's not lining up with a real friend in the sense of what your average friend acts like if you polled all people's friends in a kind of sociological sense, but it's more an ideal of a friend. Mm. So in that sense, true friend is someone who lives up to that kind of deeper ideal of what really a friend should really be. Mm. When Jesus is talking about him being true and witness to the truth, I think it's that sense of himself and how he lives is a demonstration of that kind of real deeper underlying reality or kind of ideal how things should be. And the interesting thing in, in the Christian way of thinking is that ideal how things should be and the ultimate reality of how things are mm. are actually the same. That's kind of God, God's the way things should be, which isn't the case in the way most people think. You know, there's the ideal is something that we'd like to be able to achieve, but reality is far less satisfying. Well, that's exactly what Jesus himself claims when he says in John 14, 6, that he claims to be the way, the truth and the life. So isn't he claiming to be the truth fairly egotistical? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think we would say that it's either a highly egotistical claim of, you know, someone who's a bit crazy or it must he may actually be correct. He may actually be right. And so in there he's claiming that he's the human embodiment of that kind of the real ideal kind of deeper underlying reality of how things should be, mm. that real embodiment in human form of God to put it in those terms. But why do you think we should believe Jesus is telling the truth here? I mean, wouldn't this be another great, you know, would I lie to you story? You know, I once convinced a group of 12 <laughs> disciples that I was the truth embodied in human form. Why should we believe him? Why should we believe him? It's one of those things that to go back to talking about that scientific method approach somewhat, it's not just uh, you have to kind of take the claim, see what it leads to, what it predicts, what does it line up for people who take it as true, what does that mean for them, how does that translate into, in his case, how Jesus lived, the impact he's had on people then, now, over history. If he was a kind of compulsive liar and a crazy man, he's done something absolutely incredible and mind-blowing, which I don't think anyone else. So what is it there? And kind of take that seriously and grapple with what it actually means and test it in terms of how you see other people, how you live, how all that plays out. Mm. And that's been your situation, has it? How has the, the message of Jesus sort of impacted your life? Um, is he truth to you? Yes, he is truth and truth in that, yeah, in that kind of real sense of embodying in ongoing form, kind of the ultimate reality, God, and a God who 
cares and loves for individual people. Mm -hmm. But then it's a really testing it in my life, not just kind of taking it, that's because that's what people say. But for me, you know, doing philosophy, testing it intellectually, but testing it experientially, testing it does what it say line up both, yeah, in my experience, how I live, the out, outcomes, um, experiential life. And for me, the Christian story of humans as being, they had the image of God, that spark of something divine in them, but also fallen, corrupted from that is a really simple, compelling and something that fits with my experience of mm. why that story makes sense. For you, it connects to to a bigger story of truth, so to speak. Yes. So, that, so hence, you can it confirms your thoughts that Jesus yes. is the, is the truth, and He brings the truth. Yeah, um, and 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 it's a kind of it's a whole story that you need to get in and test. It's not just a few sentences or mm. there is a God, there isn't a God. Um, you have to kind of test the whole thing rather than just individual sentences. Yeah, yeah. and something that you found satisfying, worthwhile. Uh, absolutely. Satisfying, worthwhile, challenging, terrifying at times, exhilarating at other times. Yeah, yeah. Does it f make you feel sort of comfort in some sense that you have in some ways encountered the truth, this bigger concept? Uh, yes, there, there's a real sense of a comfort, but there's also a real sense of awe there as well that kind of encountered the truth and it's kind of so much bigger, so much faster, harder to understand and... If we think about people look out on the millions of stars and feel small, um, you encounter the truth as a kind of infinite God who stands outside of creation who created that, those stars, it's, you feel even smaller. So it's, it's comfort, feeling like you're tapped into how the universe, how everything really is, but it's inspiring as well. Mm. Another question from our live audience. In this era of alternative facts, it looks like we just don't care about the truth anymore. Are we going to recover and pull back from this? So I think inevitably if our society and culture is to survive as a meaningful whole, we will recover from it. That said, I don't think it's a preordained situation. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the issue is people don't have a clear common understanding what a fact is, what is truth. Um, people, I actually think one of the biggest problems to get around that, the idea of humility that we're talking about earlier is actually critical. So people have to accept that what I think is true and what I think are facts may not be the case. Mm. So a lot of the facts, alternative facts, are people that they have a kind of set way of understanding, set position, and they're that... They're confident everyone they trust who they talk to says this is the case and you have another group of people who are equally confident and without the humility on both sides for people to go, look, I'm sure this is true but it's possible that I've got it wrong and I really need to kind of take some time and grapple with it and decide which things are kind of really critical that we agree on and which ones aren't, then we won't recover. So I think the really important thing is that sense of humility and grounding that sense of humility. Mm. Um, ironically, uh, the kind of relativism around truth, that there isn't anything true that we've seen in a lot of academic philosophical thinking over the, particularly the last 40, 50 years, which it isn't anything new, by the way. You know, there were ancient Greek relativists around truth. So 
it's been and gone more well, been and kind of gone away a bit many times but that relativism actually in the end leads to an incredible confidence and arrogance about what people think mm. Mm. another question's come in again from our text line from our live audience um so what has been one of you the most difficult struggles you've had with christianity uh, perhaps as you've reflected on it being the truth so to speak um, what's been your biggest struggle um, I think the biggest struggle is the number of times you see, you feel like things aren't turning out in my life the way not only I think they should, but I thought that God wanted them to. And the way, you know, I felt like if, you know, I followed God, they would turn out mm-hmm. that way. So it's that um, that gap between, you know, there's there's a sense that we have that, you know, if we do the right things, you know, try and follow God closely, our lives are going to go well. Because, you know, as we were talking about before, we're in touch with kind of really the truth. The truth, in, yeah, that's right. In, so that means things should work out nicely. And, you know, surely if we kind of understand the truth about what the universe is like in a deeper way, it should make our lives easier, shouldn't it? It should make them better. Yeah, you'd think Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I think there's a difference between easier and better is something that I've learned. That, so... an easy life isn't necessarily a good life Mm. and really grappling with that you want things to go well you want things to go smoothly but it's it's that i mean it's it's a bit like to riff back on talking about science you know it's those kind of really tricky challenging experiments problems that you learn the most from it's in the end realizing that god doesn't want us necessarily to have a good easy life he wants us to be good people in a really deep sense Mm. and to be a good person takes effort time it's hard you have to grapple with difficult situations go through difficult things to learn and grow and become more like jesus was as the perfect Mm. person Mm. and you can still trust him uh absolutely not easily at times but no you can still trust him and trust the truth yeah. Well, thanks very much today, Ryan, for, for sharing uh, sort of a mind-bending conversation. I'm not sure whether to believe <laughs> what to believe of what you said. Yeah. <laughs> Is that sentence yeah, false? Yeah. Is that sentence just false? That's right. Yeah. You have to go away and test it for yourself. I have to test it for myself. That's right. Yeah. Thanks once again for sharing. So, Ryan, perhaps we should ask you the question that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus: What is truth? It's a really interesting question because it's actually not a terribly well-formed question and I often wonder whether Pontius Pilate was like, what is truth? He didn't care. Dismissive, he didn't care. I don't know, but there's an interesting question. But in terms of what is truth, so truth I would say is a matching of our understanding or a person with reality and particularly the kind of deeper, Christians would say, spiritual reality of what the world is like. And that is something that I would say Jesus literally embodied. It's both something we can get a grasp of, but really something profound, meaningful and fulfilling as a way to live your life. Hmm. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the bigger question, what is truth? From John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today. Dr. Ryan Young. Enjoy bigger questions?
you can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.